Welcome into the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along. Uh, was off last week on vacation. Uh, took some time to go out west. When I'm not here, I'm usually, I think, in one of a couple of places. And, and one of those main places uh, is in a national park. And that's where my wife and I went last week, as well as a couple of national monuments along the Arizona-Utah border. Went to Vermilion Cliffs, went down to the north rim of the Grand Canyon, uh, spent some time in Page, Arizona, went to Horseshoe Bend. Uh, it was just beautiful. Went to Grand Escalante National Monument as well. We hiked the toadstools. Everything was wonderful. It was a great time, and uh, I got refreshed. I got out of Wisconsin for a little while. I got to not pay attention to Wisconsin sports for a little while, which I think was a good thing, probably for my mental health, because the Aaron Rodgers saga continues, and we will certainly get to that later on this week. Uh, We do know that he's missing minicamp, which was mandatory, whether or not it is going to result in a $93,000 fine. I mean, it probably will, I suppose, although Matt LaFleur didn't necessarily want to talk about it on day one of many camps. But we'll have time uh, to talk about that. After all, that was the uh, title of our last show. And I, I think a lot of it remains true today. It's Aaron Rodgers, grow the hell up. And he's someone who's sucking his thumb. He's taking his ball. He's sitting in the corner and he's acting like a baby. And that's unfortunate because he's a great player. Nobody can take that away from him. He's an outstanding uh, and Hall of Fame and generational talent, but he's acting like a spoiled asshole right now, really. And I think it's going to be difficult, even though his teammates said, no, no, we have his, we have his back, we have his back. I mean, what are they going to say? You're, you're not going to have someone who's currently on the Packers that potentially is going to have Aaron Rodgers be in that locker room again. I mean, this isn't a a final done deal or anything like that. But you're not going to have anyone step out and say, oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's a jerk. We don't want to be with him around here anymore. You're not going to have that. You're not going to get that. Now, if he does leave, if he is traded, I mean, they're not going to release him. But if Aaron Rodgers is traded, it will be interesting to get some of the truth that's going on right now in the locker room because I don't frankly think we're getting it right now. And I know players will generally defend players, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be your leader and he's acting like anything, but he's not acting like a leader. He's acting like a petulant little child. And that's what he's doing right now. His feelings are hurt. And look, I've, I've had my say about Rodgers and I mean, should the Packers have been better with their communication? Yeah, absolutely. I think they should have. It could have been handled a lot better, but at the end of the day, listen, men get over shit, right? We don't hold grudges. We don't say, look, I'm not going to come in and work anymore because you think that I'm past my prime, even though he looked when they were... In the lead-up to drafting Jordan Love, he looked well past his prime. This is a guy who's in his late 30s right now. And he's trying to do something that professional athletes just don't get a chance to do. He's trying to orchestrate his own exit from an NFL team. You've got to know the deal when you start in as a professional athlete. At some point, the team is going to turn the page on you, no matter how good you have been. And Aaron Rodgers, again, nobody's questioning how great 
of a football player he is. But he's also acting like a complete world-class jackass right now, too. I mean, enough is enough. Be a man. Grow up. Anyway, that was our last show. This show is about the Milwaukee Bucks. And what the hell is going on right now with this team? After game one, there were a lot of excuses, I think, that were made. I mean, the Bucks started out poorly, but they were only, and look, they were, they were leading after one quarter. They were only down by, what, two points at halftime? They were in this thing right up until the third quarter, and then it... It got a little bit out of hand, but at the end of the game, I mean, I know there's some garbage time points that were in here as well, and the Nets really pulled away in that third quarter. But they only lost by eight points. And you figured, well, they can't play that poorly again. And you can pinpoint a couple of areas in where the Bucks came up short. The Bucks in game one didn't utilize Brooke Lopez enough. He only got 11 shots, made eight of them. He was extremely efficient in when he was getting the ball inside. He only took one three-pointer because he had the, the size advantage underneath. So you figure, all right, with that size advantage, Mike Budenholzer will adjust and they'll pound the ball inside a little bit more if the three-point shot isn't falling. Chris Middleton's not going to go for five again from beyond the arc. He's not going to shoot six for 23 again from the field. And the Bucks, they hadn't played in a week. They may, may have had a little bit of rust. Okay, fine. Game one, it's a seven-game series. It's not a one-game elimination. You've got game two because nothing could go possibly as bad as game one did for the Bucks because they didn't play very well and it wasn't that uh, much of a blowout. Again, only an eight-point deficit when the final horn sounded. And then game two happened. What the hell was that? This was a team that was never competitive in this game. This was a team that looked tentative, They looked out of place. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked disinterested. And they didn't have any idea what the Brooklyn Nets were throwing at them. I mean, I could sit here. I've got the box score in front of me. I mean, you can look at the three-point shooting. I mean, and that's... I, I, look, at one point, the Bucks were losing by 49 points. There's not one thing that you can pick on. You can. Th- this game was a shit show dumpster fire in every possible way. This was a game that I'm, I'm not a big fan. I've always said you can learn more from a loss than you can from a win. And I, I think that's true. I'm not a big fan of, well, just burn the tape. Well, this is one of those games where you can fairly say, yeah, just burn the tape. The Bucks shot 8 of 27 from beyond the arc. That's not even 30%. Meanwhile, Brooklyn shot 21 of 42. They made 21 three-pointers. They made half of their three-pointers. Overall, they shot 52.1% from the field. This was an embarrassment. It was a blowout. This game, it, the Bucks lost every quarter. In game one, the Bucks won two of the four quarters. They won two of those four quarters. At the end of each period, the Nets increased their lead. After one quarter, it was 36-19. to 19. And you thought, well, you know, in the second quarter, maybe the Bucs can rebound. No, they got out, outscored by seven points in the second quarter. At halftime, the score was 65-41 to 41 at halftime. The game was over at halftime. The Nets went into cruise control, and they still expanded their lead. 
They wound up winning 125 to 86. They won by 39 points. That's including some of the garbage time at the end. The Bucks had absolutely nothing for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the radio voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis, who had to slog through that disaster on Monday night. Ted Davis and I, we tried to make sense of it all on Tuesdays. The crossover on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee and statewide on the game's radio network. Oh, by the way, uh, they're just showing highlights on ESPN. Uh, Kevin Durant is still hitting shots, by the way. Of course. He's hitting shots on the plane to Milwaukee, <laughs> I think, as well. But yeah, I mean, Adamas comes in, whatever spark was needed in that clubhouse seems to have come from Willie Adamas. They talk about how he was a ray of sunshine. He was a breath of fresh air. He was a lift. He's got a big personality and like Carlos Gomez had. And all of a sudden they've gone, I think they've gone 12 and three since that trade. Yeah. And Adamas has hit, not only has he hit, he's hit big home runs. He's had big hits and he's played an amazing and consistent shortstop. I mean, Luis Urias is capable of making the great play at shortstop. The problem was he couldn't throw the ball across the diamond to save his life. Mm-hmm. I think he put so much pressure on himself. I mean, that's all between the ears. Once you get to the major league level, you have the ability to make the throw from shortstop to first base. He's probably done it. He's 23 years old. I'm guessing 20,000 times in his life. He knows how to do it. But in those top pressure situations, it's just, again, it's just all. It's like he gets the yips. Uh, do you realize what, when we had Kevin Holden on of CBS 58 Sports, he said one of the scariest things that I think I've ever heard. What, Blake Bortles is going to be the Packers starting quarterback? Yep. Yeah. He, he said Blake Bortles could be the Packers starting quarterback in September. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go back to <laughs> the beginning of this calendar year. January 1st, 2021. The Packers... 13 and 3. They were in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers was a lock for MVP. Everybody felt great. If you would have said on that day, on New Year's Day, that Blake Bortles <laughs> was going to be the best case scenario for the Packers as their starting quarterback oh, in September of this calendar year, I know. Life comes at you pretty fast. You would have thought you would have been deranged to say that. And nobody could see this coming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 you have this worst case scenario, where either Rodgers just sits and they make him wait, you know, and you get to that first game and you don't have Rodgers and Love is not ready, mm-hmm. what's your other option? You don't have one at this point. That's why they got Bortles? I know, but it's Blake Bortles. Man, he was a high draft pick. Well, he I started know. a bunch of guys. I'm, I'm trying, Ted. I'm trying. <laughs> There's nothing there, okay? I'm trying. Oh, I'm in a salty mood this morning. But <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Today, I'll, I'll get over it, you know, pretty soon. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, uh, hope for better things on Thursday, okay? Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing where you realize life is unfair. Life is so unfair. I wish I could take it, I, go, I wish I could go into a lab and be kind of like a mad scientist, sort of like um, uh, in, in Young Frankenstein. Okay. Gene Wilder. Sure. As Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, and he goes in there and he creates this creature. And what I would do is I would take like a needle and take some blood from Brooke Lopez's right arm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go over to Giannis and I would inject that into Giannis's right arm to give Giannis the shooting ability of Brooke Lopez. That'd be good. Okay. 
I like where your head's at right now. Okay, now then I would take a little bit of Giannis's blood and I would put it into Brooke Lopez to make him as athletic as Giannis. That'd be great. And then you'd have both of them. Sure, if you could have Giannis with Brooke's <laughs> shooting ability and Brooke with Giannis's athleticism. See, see now you're talking. Yeah, but see, life isn't but, life isn't fair. It's not. But how about we could get some of Kevin Durant's DNA into both of those guys? Boy, is he a shot maker or Ooh. what? Um, you know, the year he came out. This is a stroll down memory lane. Was one of those craptacular uh, years for the Bucks when they just didn't have anything going. It was, they had quite a few of those. It was one of the late Herb know. Cole years, and they finished with I think if you'll look it up, it was like the second or third worst record in the league that year. And that was the year you had Odin coming out and Durant, and oh man, there was somebody else who was really hot in college, and you thought, okay. The Bucks are going to get one of those three, you know, you would think, with the odds of the ping-pong balls and everything going up there. And I think they ended up getting dropping down to sixth. And Did they get E.G. and Leanne in that draft? Yeah, they might have. It, or was it Joe Alexander? No, I don't know. Whenever, uh, look up the draft of Kevin Durant. We got to take a I think step. that was 07, 08. Yeah, 07. Uh, Let me look. And, of course, Portland got the number one pick, and they were like, cha-ching, and they went, Old style big, and they took Greg Oden. How'd that work out? Whoo! And then at second, number two was the Seattle Sonics. That's how far back it was. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it was 07. It uh, was. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, so who was the who was the second pick? It was Durant. Oden, Durant, and then Al Horford. Okay. Uh, Mike Conley is a good player. Then Jeff Green, good player. Uh-huh. E. Leon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I kept thinking if because when you watch Durant play in college, you know he only played one year at Texas. Yeah. But even then, you could see the shot-making ability that he had in that frame, that incredible length that he oh, had. Oh, yeah. And you were thinking, all right, that's the that's the superstar stud that if you can get him, that is a franchise-changing player. And to a certain extent, he did turn out to be that way in Oklahoma with his scoring ability, and he got them to the NBA Finals one year when they lost to the Miami Heat. But uh, his ability to hit shots is just extraordinary. In my time in the league – I think there have been three guys that are that size, 6'10 or above, that could hit shots like that. Dirk Nowitzki was one, mm-hmm. and he was a seven-footer who could do that. Then you've got Durant, and to a certain extent, Peja Stoyakovic, when he was in his prime with the Sacramento Kings, he was 6'10 yeah. and played more like a guard and could shoot the three. But, um, you know, I thought last night, sometimes they had him pretty well covered, and it just didn't matter. And it didn't matter whether it was P.J. Tucker or Holiday or Giannis. It didn't matter. He was going to score. I looked up Kevin Durant the other day because he looks old, and I and I know that he's been in the NBA for a long time, obviously, if you go back to the 2007 draft. 14 seasons. 14 seasons. But he NBA. came in when he was like 18. Yeah, so he's 32. I looked him up yesterday because yeah. I thought, man, how old is Kevin Durant? He's got to be 35, 36. No. 32. Yeah. He's still got a lot of basketball left in him. Although he's, he's starting to get a little gray hair. Gray and and he's got the bald spot. That's not helping. That's why I said, man, he looks so old, but he doesn't play like it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, Adam in uh, texted in at 414-799-1973 said Kevin Garnett, too, had that stretch ability yeah. mm-hmm. in, a yep. big, in a big frame. Hall of Famer. I mean, all of these guys that you named are Hall of Famers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was uh, – he, he had that crossover dribble going last night that when he goes left and goes right like that, uh, he had he had the Bucks on skates. Mm-hmm. You know they were trying to figure out which way to go. He had one play where Giannis was in front of him, two time Defensive Player of the Year. He did that 
yanked to the left, yanked to the right. He had Giannis on skates, blew it right by him down the lane for a right-hand reverse as he went underneath. And it's just the shot-making ability is extraordinary for him. And then when you've got Kyrie Irving chipping in with the little you know, quick stuff that he does, look, they're, they're a good team, and give them credit. I thought when Harden went out that this was such an opportunity for the Bucks to at least steal one and the Nets didn't let it happen, and didn't let it happen in a big way. These have not been close games. They, they haven't, and to me, that's the most not only surprising but also disappointing part of this whole thing. Because you know, you look at the Bucks' big three against the Nets' big three, and the Bucks' big three, you've got one Hall of Famer in Giannis. You got three over in Brooklyn, so you do, yeah, you, you you have to weigh that. Uh, Chris Middleton, good ball player. Drew Holiday, very good ball player, but they're not Hall of Fame types. Giannis is. Uh, Kevin Durant is the best player on the court. Kyrie Irving has had a spectacular career. He's won uh, you know, ch- a championship with Cleveland. Um, Kevin Durant, you mentioned, I mean, won a couple of them with Golden State and helped lead the Oklahoma City. There goes your phone again. Uh, <laughs> helped lead Oklahoma City to the NBA Finals. Uh, and, and, and so, but I had hoped that the Bucks would at least make it competitive. I, I had hoped that the Bucks wouldn't embarrass themselves they haven't been competitive it reminds me of their series in the second round a year ago against miami they just haven't been competitive and that's just to me that's it's surprising and it's disappointing yeah so they come home and um look when we were talking to kevin holden also he said that fans are quick to jump off the bandwagon and give up and look the numbers tell you that the bucks aren't going to win this series just the history of a seven game series when you're down oh two it goes to the team up 2-0 about 90% of the time. But, uh, you know, if they get Thursday, that gives them momentum. If they get Sunday, it's a whole different deal by the end of the week. So they're going to have 16500 in the building on Thursday. Just show up. Give it all you got for that one game. Help the club. Okay, help the club. Aaron Rodgers should show up on Thursday. He's, he's got part no- owner. He's got nothing else to do. He's part owner, for goodness gracious sakes. Uh, fly he and Shailene in, get him a courtside seat, give him a towel, let him wave the towel like ML Carr. Here's a question. What? If he does show up. Would they boo him? Well, huh. It's interesting. Would they boo him? Hmm. You show him on the Jumbotron. I know. He is, uh, he is not the beloved figure he once was. That would be interesting. I bet, I bet it would be 20%, maybe 30% would boo and 70% wouldn't. I think you're being optimistic. Really? Yeah. You think it might be 50-50? Might, might, might be. Huh. Packers fans are not happy right now. <laughs> that was from Tuesday's The Crossover on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and statewide on The Game's radio network. All right, I want to dive into some other analysis of this game as well because there's only so much that I can say about it. Again, this was a game that was a complete disaster. ESPN Stephen A. Smith, who I don't often agree with, but in this case, it's kind of hard not to. He got his pound of flesh, too. Who's the reigning defensive player of the year? Who's the reigning defensive player of the year? Giannis. That would be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis. MVP I'm t- I'm and t- defensive player MVP of the year. MVP and defensive player of the year. Jordan Six, and Hakeem. Yeah. Six feet 11. Yeah. It's not like Kevin Durant towers over everybody like he towers over everybody else that tries to defend him. Giannis is 6'11". Giannis is mobile. Giannis is 240. Why can't you guard him? You know why? Because KD is the best in the world. That's why. 
KD is the best offensive player on the planet. Ain't the best shooter. That would be Steph Curry. The best offensive player on the planet Earth. You can't stop this brother. He is unguardable. There is nothing that they can do, which is why I've repeatedly told you he is the most important component. He is the X factor. Give me Harden with Kyrie. Give me Kyrie with Harden. I don't give a damn. You're not going anywhere without Kevin Durant, but with Kevin Durant, you can go to the promised land. You can win 73 games in a season and go to the finals and lose, but Kevin Durant comes and before he plays a game, LeBron James is giving a concession speech in Boston at TD Garden talking about, I don't want to be stressed thinking about having to go up against KD and Steph and the Golden State Warriors. That's who the hell this dude is. And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, let me say this. Budenholzer, I hope he's enjoying his days. How in God's name do you come out and start the game on a zone? A zone against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with Joe Harrison. He's not making adjustments. You got your team helpless. You got Giannis. Listen, this is basketball, y'all. You got Giannis. When you have a basketball player with Giannis's ability sitting there talking about, well, we can't do anything with them. I mean, we just got to figure it out as a group. We got to be more physical. No, you. Because in in the sport of basketball more than any other place, it comes down to you. When you have those abilities, you're supposed to stand up, man up, and go like this. I ain't going out like that. He dropping 30, I'm dropping 40. He dropping 40, I'm dropping 50. And if I can't stop him, damn it, he ain't going to be able to stop me. The Milwaukee Bucks laid down like raggedy dogs. Chris Middleton should be ashamed of himself. Drew Holiday should be ashamed of himself. Down 49 points? It's a national embarrassment. Kind of hard to argue with him, isn't it? He's not wrong. ESPN's Stephen A. Smith. Here's my question. Mike Budenholzer has been at this for a long time. Mike Budenholzer has four NBA championship rings while sitting on Greg Popovich's bench as Pop's lead assistant in San Antonio for 17 years. Mike Budenholzer is a two-time NBA coach of the year in two different places. Won it a couple of years ago with the Bucks. Won it a couple of years prior to that with the Hawks. How is Mike Budenholzer getting out coached by a rookie? Now, Steve Nash is a Hall of Fame player, two-time MVP. But as we were talking about on the crossover, very rarely, and and maybe we see it in basketball more than uh, in other sports. That's that's possible. But very rarely do elite Athletes make elite coaches. This is from ESPN senior NBA writer Brian Winhorst, who wrote this on Monday night or Tuesday, but it was posted uh, early Tuesday morning. When Steve Nash was hired to coach the Brooklyn Nets super team entry last year, it was both shocking and controversial. Judgment on the hire is still a ways off, but Nash's first postseason on the sideline has been impressive. Nash has run circles early around two-time NBA Coach of the Year Mike Budenholzer in what was supposed to be a highly competitive Eastern Conference playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooklyn is ahead two games to none after a 125-86 spanking in Monday night's Game 2. 
The first two, uh, first two contests were at home, and Nash has talent on his side. Kevin Durant's 32 points on 18 shots in Game 2 would make any coach look good. But Nash is managing and motivating his team expertly, especially in the wake of losing James Harden indefinitely with a hamstring injury and advantage the Bucks wasted. Even when he had Harden in the mix, Nash explained how important shot numbers were against the Bucks. In the three regular season meetings between the teams, Milwaukee got up 37 more shots. Even with an offense as impressive as the Nets have, that's not a survivable margin. The shot disparity existed because the Nets turned the ball over 19 more times than the Bucks and allowed Milwaukee to have 10 more offensive rebounds in those games. So coming into the second round series, Nash emphasized ball security and awareness on the defensive glass. Two games in, it's the Nets who have taken seven more shots and committed 14 fewer turnovers. After the Bucks clobbered Brooklyn 20-4 in second-chance points in Game 1, the Nets flipped that vital number in Game 2, 15-11. Brooklyn also executed the textbook defensive plan on Giannis Adetokounmpo, backing off to entice him to take outside shots and baiting him into charges when he came into the lane. The Nets aren't getting the charges, but the contact seems to be making Adetokounmpo more cautious. He's just 2 of 10 at the foul line in the series. As a result, Adetokounmpo attempted just 15 shots and scored only 18 points in Game 2, a major win for the Nets. But perhaps more important than any strategy, Nash had his team focused and ready to play in Game 2 without Harden, just as the coach did after Harden exited in the first minute of Game 1 when Nash implored the players to not feel sorry for themselves. Brooklyn overwhelmed Milwaukee in a lopsided first quarter on Monday night. Several Nets players, including Durant, mentioned the level of detail in the game plan after the victory. Nash said, quote, our guys were prepared and hungry. Guys are just locked in and aware of the game plan and can take care of the details, end quote. The same has not been the case for Milwaukee. Budenholzer has been scrutinized for the Bucks' struggles to get out of the second round the past two years, and more criticism is surely coming if there isn't a rally. I don't, I mean, taking a step away from Ryan Winhorst and his well-written column here for a second, uh, forget more criticism. I, I don't say this because of malice. I don't say this as anything other than what I believe is going to happen. If the Bucks don't get competitive and get competitive right away, as in Thursday's Game 3, and get back into this series, Mike Budenholzer is done. Mike Budenholzer has, I mean, I don't think he's going to survive. I don't think he's going to be back next season. You look at like the Toronto Raptors, for example. They stalled in the playoffs. I mean, they're a great regular season team under Dwayne Casey, the coach of the year in the NBA, but they stalled in the playoffs, got bounced in the second round. Casey, shockingly too many, but maybe not in Toronto, gets fired. They bring in a complete unknown by the name of Nick Nurse. And they win an NBA championship. Yes, Kawhi Leonard had a lot to do with that. And the Toronto Raptors were not good this season. They didn't even make it to the play-in tournament. They were a sub-500 team in the East this year. But it is possible that the Bucks have gotten as far as they can with Mike Budenholzer as their head coach. That's the discussion right now that's going on with Bucks ownership. That's the discussion that's going on right now with ownership 
and John Horst. John Horst has put together, I, I don't think the roster, pound for pound, player for player, is better than what Brooklyn has. And certainly we're seeing that on the court right now. I mean, you've got, you know, Milwaukee's big three versus Brooklyn's big three. I mean, you got three guys right there in Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant that are Hall of Fame players. The Bucks have Giannis. Giannis is a Hall of Fame player. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, good players. They aren't. And 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 once again, by the way, the shrinking violet in the playoffs that is Chris Middleton, that's going to be his bugaboo. That's going to be something that's going to haunt him. Chris Middleton, a two-time All-Star player, who is getting paid like a two-time All-Star player, he does not have a good reputation when the playoffs are concerned. In Game 1, Chris Middleton was terrible. 6 of 23, 0 of 5 from beyond the arc. In Game 2, Chris Middleton, 7 of 20 overall, 3 of 8 from beyond the arc. You can live with the 3 for 8, but the 7 for 20 in a playoff game, when you're getting your ass handed to you, somebody's got to step up, and nobody stepped up. Chris Middleton scored 17 points in Game 2. That's, you know, you, you can't have that. If you're going to be a, a quote-unquote superstar, Kevin Durant scored 32 points, made four of six of his three-pointers. He played an inside-out game. 12 of 18 overall, four of six from beyond the arc. That's a superstar player right there. That's a Hall of Fame player right there. Kyrie Irving, 9 of 17, made half of his three-pointers, finished with 22 points. Also dished out six assists. Kyrie Irving getting it done. Kevin Durant getting it done. Steve Nash getting it done. I don't want to belabor Brian Winhorst's column because it goes on and on and on about how Mike Budenholzer right now, I mean, the, the Bucks are getting their asses kicked right now. But moreover, on the sidelines, Mike Budenholzer is getting his ass kicked by a rookie. Mike Budenholzer, two-time NBA coach of the year, four championship rings as an assistant. He's getting his ass kicked. His team is unmotivated. His team, as Stephen A. Smith said, they came out in a zone against Kevin Durant. I don't understand the schemes that are going on right now against what many believe to be the best team in the NBA, especially if Joel Embiid is out for the rest of the playoffs. I think the Nets, to me, look like, I mean, they're, I'm not going to say anything is a lock in the NBA, but right now they look like the best team in the NBA. And I don't know that the Bucs needed to win. It would have been great if the Bucs could have won uh, this series. But you had to have them be at least competitive. You look at last year against Miami in the second round. It wasn't that the Bucs lost against the Heat. The Heat got hot at the right time, and they wound up going to the NBA Finals, losing to the Lakers, of course. But they got hot at the right time, and sometimes that just happens. But the Bucs weren't competitive. The Bucs looked out of sorts. They looked scared. They looked tentative. And that's what you cannot have in the playoffs. And I'm not sitting here calling for Mike Budenholzer's head. But I'm not advocating for him to come back. You've got, I mean, best case scenario, five games to figure this out. Worst case scenario, two games to figure this out. And if the Bucks get swept, and they've got two games coming up at five serve form starting on Thursday night. If the Bucks get swept, Mike Budenholzer's gone. And I'm not I can't shed a tear for him. You have to show that if you're given superstars, you know how to deploy them. 
I think there are great coaches that are given terrible teams that, you know, you do the best you can with them. Mike Budenholzer has been given a Lamborghini, okay? You have to get further. You have to make that next incremental step. And the Bucks under Budenholzer aren't doing it. And a lot of it falls on his shoulder, whether it's not getting his team prepared to play or coming up with shitty defensive schemes against MVP caliber players in the postseason coming out with a zone against Durant, for example. Steve Nash looks like he could be a coach of the year. And again, when Steve Nash was hired, as Brian Windhorst said in his ESPN column, it's like, wait, what? Steve Nash? What? And yet here we are. So game three is Thursday night. It'll be at Fiserv Forum. I was going back and forth with some of you guys on Twitter. Uh, and some were saying, oh, the Bucks should get booed as soon as they walk out onto the floor. No, that's not going to help. That's not that's not going to help matters. I know fans are pissed off, and I get it. I don't think anybody that lives in the state of Wisconsin that follows Bucks basketball is happy about what's going on right now. I don't think the players are happy. I know the front office isn't happy. I know Mike Budenholzer isn't happy. He feels like he's got something to prove, but he has not been up to the moment, and he has not gotten his team up for the moment. He hasn't gotten his team prepared for the moment. And until he does, that's going to haunt him whether his next coaching stop is next season here in Milwaukee or somewhere else. So hopefully we will have better things to talk about as the weeks go on. Then again, we might be doing a postmortem here next week about the Bucks getting flamed out in the second round of the playoffs in an uncompetitive sweep or gentleman's sweep. Again, if they are able to manage to win one game. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Again, good to be back from vacation. Uh, I posted some pictures up on the show's Instagram page. You can follow us on all of our socials. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, very simply, at Doug Russell Pod. Uh, You can link to that as well as all of our shows uh, from our website, www.dougrusselpod.com. That'll do it for this edition of the show. We'll talk some Brewers baseball coming up later on in the week and, yeah, some more thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and some more thoughts on hopefully a couple of Bucks wins. I would love to be able to, to have something good to talk about uh, here on the show, but things are not going well. The Brewers are playing well though right now. We do uh, we do welcome we do welcome that. All right, again, that's it for the show. Have a great week. Hopefully, we'll have some wins to talk about. Go Bucks! Oh God, please! And we'll see you next time right here on the Doug Russell Podcast.